This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the Pipeline Podcast. Tim McMaster here along with MLB Pipeline's Jim Callis. Jonathan Mayo is down in Cary, North Carolina at the Tournament of Stars. He's going to contribute to this podcast from afar, though. He sat down with USA Baseball 18U National Team Director Matt Blood and also 2019 number 1 draft prospect, according to most at this point, Bobby Witt Jr. So we'll hear from them along the way. We'll talk about the College World Series also. But before we get to that, Jim, we have a trade it's still June. It's not deadline season yet, but uh, we have a, a prospect trade. Um, the Royals sending Kelvin Herrera to the Washington Nationals. They get three players in return, Kelvin Gutierrez, Blake Perkins, and Johans Morel. Two of those guys end up in their top 15 prospects. Gutierrez at number eight, Perkins at number 15. Let's start with Gutierrez. What are the Royals getting in this third baseman? Yeah, he's an interesting guy. He was he was a guy actually we got to see play in the Arizona Fall League a little bit last year, and you know this was not a big time prospect when they signed him out with Dominican. He he didn't sign till he was eighteen. He only got a thirty thousand dollar bonus, but he's pretty much hit everywhere he's gone. Played very well in the AFL. Um, you know, he's a potential everyday you know third baseman. I think your your looking upside would be solid regular rather than a star. But, um, you know, he hits for average. He's got some gap power. Probably needs to strike. Uh, I can't speak to him. He needs to tighten the strike zone. I was going to say strike the tight zone, which made no sense. <laughs> it's completely uh, different. He needs to tighten his strike zone. Um, his, his tool that wows you the most is he's got a, a very, very strong arm, good defender at third base, moves pretty well for a 6'3", 215-pound guy. So, you know, he's interesting. Um and then, you know, Perkins, you mentioned also, uh, I think Perkins probably stands out the most with his speed and defense in center field right now. He had a really nice introduction into full season ball last year in low class A. He led the Sally League in runs and walks, struggling a little bit this year offensively in high class A, hitting 234 with one homer right now. But he is still continuing to draw walks. I, you know, I think with him, you know, whether he's a regular or uh, more of a, a fourth outfielder probably comes down to the bat. You know how much impact does he have with the bat? Because he can he can run and he can play center and he, he's got an arm. He can it's averageish. He can play all three. It's just how much impact is that bat going to have will determine whether he's a an everyday guy for them or, or more of a, a guy off the bench. And both of these guys should come pretty quickly, I guess. I mean, according to the the ETAs on Pipeline, Gutierrez is listed as this season, actually, Blake Perkins 2020. These are guys that Royals fans won't wait too long to see. Yeah, I mean, um, I think Gutierrez might be 2019, but he, he's in double-A right now. Um, but I, I could see him get an opportunity next year. And, you know, well, Perkins, you know, we, we have a 2020 ETA on him because he's in high A, although we may have to slow it down a bit if he doesn't get the back going. I mean, if he winds up hitting you know, a soft 230 in, in high A this year, then he's probably a little bit further away. I mean, he's, he's slugging 290 right now, which obviously, uh, you know, is a concern. 
So you look at what the Royals have done. A great draft, obviously. They made some trades of, of veterans when they were f- before free agency last year. Uh, they brought a couple of guys back. But overall, when you look at what they're doing here to go from a team that won a World Series title just a few years ago to try to break it down and build it back up, do you like the direction they're heading in? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, we, as you know, Tim, we don't rank all 30 farm systems. We only rank the top 10. But, you know, Baseball America and ESPN, which do rank the farm systems, both at Kansas City in the bottom five coming into the year. I mean, they do have a lot of work to do. I mean, we as we talked about in last week's podcast with Lonnie Goldberg, the Royal Scout Director, I mean, they had a great opportunity in the draft because they had three first-round picks, and, and they took advantage. And, you know, Brady Singer and Jackson Coar fall their first two picks. So they stocked up there, and they've – Got a bunch of 19-year-olds at their two Class A teams who are who are their best prospects in the system right now. So, I mean, you know, did they still need more depth? They still need more star power. But I do think if you're looking at their farm system now compared to, say, you know, the beginning of spring training, you know, and you're anticipating all these guys signing out of the draft, uh, you're feeling better about it. I mean, I don't think it's the top top farm system by any means, but it definitely has more talent, and we'll probably see. We'll probably see some more trades during the during the the, the summer here to, to maybe add some more prospects. All right. So the first of what will probably be many trades involving prospects between now and the non-waiver trade deadline coming up at the end of July. All right. We mentioned the Tournament of Stars, and the games actually get underway today as we record this on Tuesday. Uh, they'll play three games each as far as the four teams go. It's kind of a round-robin thing. And then the gold and bronze medal games will be on Saturday. You can check those out. They'll be streaming on MOB.com and also the USA Baseball website. So Jonathan Mayo is down there for all the action. He got a chance to catch up with the man who makes the decisions of which of these players get down to the whittled list and then eventually which players make it to the 18 and under national team that seems to win gold medal every single year. That's Matt Blood. So here's Jonathan Mayo sitting down with Matt. We're here at uh, Tournament of Stars and getting time to chat with Matt Blood, the man who will be helping to make the final decisions for the 18 and under team. And Matt, another tournament of stars, of course, it's a thousand degrees out here um, as usual. But uh, how excited are you, you know, that this is, you know, getting going and, you know, obviously this is, you know, this, this is the, the start of this part of the process, but obviously it's kind of a year long thing for you. Yeah, this is the fun part. You know, we put in a lot of work, um, year, year and a half, two years in advance and uh, finally getting to see them come out here and, and all get on the field and just really watch them play and, and see a lot of the, the work we put in come to fruition is uh, it's a lot of fun and, and it's what we work for. How, obviously, you know, as we sit here record this, there's been one game, but how do you think this crop compares with the last few that you've seen come in here over the last few years of this event? Yeah, they all differ in some ways. I think this one's really deep uh, on the infield. I think there are a lot of really good athletic players uh, with skills but also know how to play the game. Um, that's the difference I see in this year's group versus last year's group. Last year's group maybe was a little deeper on the mound, especially at the premium velocity level, but um, there's still a lot of good uh, arms in this class. So um, a lot to like this year, you know, just like the, just like there was last year. From from a guy, you know, as you said, this is the fun part. What, what gets you going more? A guy that you know, has hype and, and lives up to it and it, or maybe exceeds it or a guy that kind of comes out of nowhere and, and not obviously no one here comes completely out of nowhere, but there are always some guys who 
uh, sort of sneak up on you a little bit in terms of raising the level of their game in an event like this? It's it's really just fun to see good baseball and, and talented players play well. Uh, that's it's Both of those things you just described are really uh, exciting to me. I mean, we know these players really well uh, through our developmental programs or through scouting or um, just through getting information. But seeing guys perform uh, to what we've heard or seen or even better um, is just is just really exciting. So I would say both those things. One of the things that, you know, I always make sure to differentiate, you know, even when we talk is, uh, you know, our focus is obviously is so draft minded as it, the dozens and dozens of scouts are here and you always have an appreciation for that but you're trying to put together a team that's going to win a gold medal i mean do you ever have to you know remind yourself you know that you're you're not scouting for you know a team that you you yeah. know by now i would imagine that's sort of your well your I, order. you know ideally is you have the prospects and they can play at the same time uh but but there there are always a few that just aren't quite ready for what we're trying to do um just with their their advanced ability to do the small things that need to be done to win games and international competition or really anywhere. Um, so, you know, I have the ability to appreciate uh, those prospects and understand that, wow, that kid is a prospect, uh, but maybe he's not ready for this team. And on the other end, too, that this kid is ready for this team, but maybe he's not uh, going to be a high draft pick this coming year. Uh, so you get a little bit of both. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you may take a guy who oh, he can play three or four positions and run really well. It doesn't make him a, a first-round draft prospect, but in terms of filling out a, a winning roster, that becomes really important. Brandon Dieter was that guy, I think, for us last year. Uh, he's a great player, and I, I think he's a draft prospect for three years from now, a uh, really good draft prospect for three years from now. But this past draft, you know, it, that that's it, what happened, exactly what I thought would happen, and I think he's going to go to college and be a great player. Um, and that's... That's the kind of guy that's very valuable for us. But then also on the flip side, so are the guys like Jared Kelnick and Terang and Casas who go in the first round and Gorman and, and uh, help us win games as well. Now, I don't want to ask you too much specifically about players here because I know you're early on in mm-hmm. the evaluation process here. But I will ask you about two guys that you saw last year mm-hmm. here. So let's start with Carter mm-hmm. Young, who was on the 18 and under team, um, played in, in the first game that we saw here uh, this morning, you know, in, in keeping tabs on him over the year, how has he developed and, and you know, uh, how important is it to have, a, you know, uh, some guys like that who have been through the process, know what it's like to play for the team? Uh, the, the experience is uh, extremely valuable. Uh, and that's why you see this year we've got a, a decent number of underclassmen at this event uh, trying to get them some experience, you know, going into next year's uh, World Cup year. Uh, but seeing Carter, you know, he, he's he's so much fun to watch uh, just because he he loves to play. He's got a great motor, and uh, he knows he knows the game so well. He's he's added uh, the he's hit, now hitting left-handed as well as right-handed, um, which is something he's dabbled with. He didn't really do any last year in, on the on the on the, the summer scene or in, in, with our team. But uh, we knew that he he wanted to, and uh, he's really added that into his game. And he looks great. He's gotten a little little bit taller, a little more rangier. And uh, he looked really smooth defensively today, and he always gives you quality of bats. And so he's uh, he's a he's a guy that really any manager would want on their team. Last guy uh, was was a guy last year that this is a, one of those times where the the draft prospect status and the you know status for your team probably match up. And it's obviously it's Bobby Witt Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people sort of put him at the top of whatever sort of looking ahead boards for for next year. And this is a guy who. 
uh, was here last year for Tournament of Stars and did a lot of impressive things. Uh, I would imagine you're expecting more of the same. Yeah, Junior was here last year. He made the trials. He came to our national team development program. And, uh, you know, he probably would have had a chance to make the team if he hadn't had a little hand injury um, right there at the end. Uh, but he looks even stronger this year. Uh, he's just a really good athlete with with tools everywhere. I mean, he's a, he's a true five-tool guy, uh, and he can impact the game in, a, in every way. And on top of that, he loves to play. He's got great energy and is a really good kid. So, yeah, he, he's got he's got everything that um, scouts are looking for and, and things that we're looking for as well. And, uh, you know, I, I would totally expect him to be um, – to be fully in the mix for our plans this year. All right. Well, I know you've got BP to watch, so I'm going to let you go, but thanks for uh, Absolutely. stopping by and chatting. Yeah, right, thanks. thanks. Good stuff from Jonathan and Matt and Jim. Matt Blood, uh, since he took over that role, has done a tremendous job of putting together talent. You just look at that 18 and under team every year and the number of those guys whose names are called on day one or early on day two of the draft, and it shows you the type of talent that he's able to put together. Oh, definitely. You know, it, it's it's. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you knew this, Tim. I, I may be telling you something. You know, I, I worked with Matt at Baseball America for a year, um, about ten years ago, and then he went on and became a area scout with the St. Louis Cardinals. And uh, I believe the first Baseball America employee to get a World Series ring, uh, you know, with the Cardinals when they won in 2011, has been with Team USA since the beginning of 2016. And, and I just think he's. He's perfect for that role. I mean, it seems like they, they win the gold medal whatever tournament they're in every year. They have a loaded team every year. And, and you're having a guy who, you know, in Matt, who, you know, I mean, he's he's got everything I, I think I'd want in that national team director position for USA Baseball where, you know, he, he has a scouting eye. I mean, he was an area scout for seven years. I mean, he, he you know, really has a good eye for talent. And he's also competitive and energetic and driven, and he wants, you know, I mean, he wants to get the best players and also the – the best fit. I mean, I know he's he's not just looking at tools. He's looking at chemistry also, and he just he knows his stuff. I mean, he was a perfect hire for them. And you know, I would, uh, you know, I would have to look. I forget what tournament they're playing this year, but uh, I'm expecting another gold medal this year, Tim, just based on their on their track record. Yeah, this year it's actually the Pan American Games um, that they will be playing in. And the thing that stands out to me as well is you you said it, you nailed it on the head. The, the eye for talent. Uh, he also puts together the National High School Invitational Tournament and brings those teams all together. But also when you listen to him talk about a lot of these kids, just the fact that the the care he cares about these kids, he wants them to do well, and he builds relationships with them. And you see that uh, when you see these teams play and when you hear him talk about the kids that end up on these teams and part of the NHSI and part of Tournament of Stars, even the kids that don't end up making that 18U team that are just part of the USA Baseball family, he develops a lot of bonds with those kids. It's good to see as well. So one of the kids that we certainly expect to see on that 18U team this year is Bobby Witt Jr. Um, As of now, seems like he's the guy that would be the number one pick if they had the draft right now. Obviously, that is a long way to go. but the son of Bobby Witt, the pitcher, this Bobby Witt Jr., not a pitcher, a shortstop. Uh, Jonathan sat down with him as well. Let's listen. All right, we're here with Bobby Witt Jr., just finished his first game in Tournament of Stars. Bobby, the first thing you say to me is that you like the weather. Now, everyone else has been complaining about the weather pretty much the whole time because it's 1,000 degrees with 400% humidity, but but you dig it. Well, coming from Texas, the weather's you never know what it's going to be. It could be 100 in December. Can, can never tell the weather there. Being 100 one day, then 30 next day, so... I just really think the weather's kind of, it's there. It's going to be there. You can't do nothing about it. It's kind of a mental thing. And just so what, play the game. But it was, it was warm out there. I'm 
I'm not, I don't like it, but I don't hate it. So I can, I can go with it. It's all right. It's easy to get loose, I, I guess. Yes, sir. Yeah, and you ain't pulling anything with this. And you, you're already warm after you run a couple of jogs. I guess living in the heat, and I don't want to just talk about the weather, but you know, you've learned about, you know, the importance of hydrating, things yes, like that. Cause I know a couple of kids have mm. cramped up and things like that already. Yes, sir. Always just hydrating whenever you can. Cause I feel like whenever you're thirsty, that means you're already dehydrated. So you're already down a step. So you always got to be building up, making your way up there and just getting right, getting make sure your body feels right to play the game. All right. Now let's talk about just being back here and carrying tournament of stars again. Uh, you were here last year, obviously had a great time. How, how, pumped up were you to, to be back at part of this event again man i've been itching for this day since december i couldn't it's like christmas right now for me and just really to get back with these all the 80 guys the best players in the country it's just just amazing to be out there and this, these facilities are prestige and they're very nice and just usa baseball is just unbelievable with what they do for the players the fans even like the scouts they're treated well here and just everything's just real real feels almost like it feels like home now like when i come out here to carry how much you know? Are, were you you know more at ease? Not that you weren't you know excited to come out last year, but it was new for you. You did this already, so was there a little bit more of like, okay, I, I know exactly what to expect this time around. I guess I could say I'm more comfortable with it because I've done it last year. But it's just it's kind of I kind of just put it as like the same game I've always been playing since I was five years old. It's just always there's bases, there's a pitcher, there's a hitter, there's, everything's the same. Just keep. Just got to keep my head right and just play the game that I do. And just coming out here for the second year, it just it's it feels like deja vu almost because it's it's like it's awesome being out here. But I'm sure I mean are some of the other kids coming to you asking you like what what to expect? But what like I would imagine last year you played with Bryce Terang who had done the yes. same thing you're doing now. So you're you're in his shoes now. Yeah, with my roommate Jaden Woodson, he's asked kind of how how things go, and I, I'll tell him just what we did last year and just how things went. And just some of the guys will ask, "Oh, do we do this now?" And I'm, I'll tell them and then just it's kind of good to have the experience because every time you're getting more and more experience I feel like you get more comfortable and when you're comfortable that's when you're playing the game the best now obviously this is just part of a process not just the summer showcase process but for USA baseball and last year you made it to the trials and you had a you got dinged up a little tiny bit and that sure. kept you from from making that team I mean has that been pretty much the second that you didn't make that team because of the injury. Did you put that on your bucket list for this year that you, you, you wanted to make the USA team? Oh, yeah. It's always a, been a goal of mine, just really, because my dad, and I don't know when it was, like 1984, he was on the, or whenever, I don't know when it was, but he was on the USA team, and it's just playing, like, with this, the best country in the world, you know, just on your chest and just representing them, just playing the game hard. Just It's really, it's unbelievable. It's like you can't, you can't explain what it is to play for your country, and it's amazing just to come out here and be able to have this opportunity and just been blessed with all the opportunities that I've had in my life. I didn't want to ask too many dad questions because I'm sure you get a million of them. I just did a story on uh, Kevin Biggio and Bo Bichette and Vlad Jr. all playing for the same team. So uh, just I went down that road already. But since you brought him up, I wanted to ask mostly about you know committing to Oklahoma. Was that always a no-brainer or was there ever a thought, I'm going to go a, a different route for my dad? Ever since I was little, I'm just going up to Norman and just loving the place. Like like I said earlier, like being comfortable. I just it felt like I'm at home when I'm up and just going to the football games, baseball games, basketball games, whatever it is. It's just whenever I see that crimson, it's just it's 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 a good feeling. And this ever since I've seen like that, my dad played there, and then two of my sisters went there, and my mom went there. Just just like almost like my dreams when I was little, they became reality when I committed there. Is it easier that you play, you know, a different position that you're not a pitcher first, uh, you know, so there aren't 
those inevitable comparisons and you can just sort of have them as a resource in terms of what the process is like? Yes, I, I like it. I like that a lot too. And then just with, I just love to hit. I guess my dad wasn't the hitter that I guess I am or whatever. But uh, yeah, I just love to hit. But the good thing about having him as a pitcher, he can throw me BP whenever. So that's a good thing to have with him. So when he throws you BP, is it is it just BP, or does he crank it up? Uh, is, is there some competition there? Every once in a while, I'll hit a couple, and he'll still have that pincher mentality. He might throw them behind my head if I hit one back at him, or he might try to throw some sliders, but I think I got him beat now. He's getting kind of kind of old. I'm not trying to say he's old, but he's velo's starting to slowly, slowly decrease as we go on. We're going to make sure that he hears this. Yes. <laughs> yes, um, so this summer can be kind of crazy, the whole showcase thing, you know, looking forward to, to next year. Because not only is this the, the tryout for USA, but, you know, all the scouts are here. You saw it last year. Um, everything I've read about you is you keep a level head about all that stuff. But, you know, as you're bouncing from, you know, uh, the PDP that you went to, to PG National, to this, to Erica, to everything, like, how do you ignore all of that? How do you make sure you're just going out and, and being the same kid loving to play the game? Really just having high energy, just doing my thing. Because it's, like I said, like just playing this game is just awesome. It's just been what I've wanted to do all my life. And when I'm out on the field, it's just fun for me. Like kids will press or whatever. I just try to keep keep calm, just play my game. They're, they're, there, to, they're there to watch what I can do. So I'm not going to try to overdo what I can't do or play too timid because I don't want to do that. I just want to play out there high energy, just have fun, and just play the game that I love. You've been sort of had that number one guy on, on your back probably from this point last year. Um, again, from what I've read, it sounds like that's kind of something that you you, you, you like. You like having that, that spotlight on you and showing people that you deserve deserve that, not as a, an arrogant kind of thing, but as a something that, that fuels you a little bit. It's almost like motivation for me because other kids out there, they put a target on me to try to be better than me. So I always got to be working hard every day just to get better and just keep that spot. It's almost like a goal to have, keeping that spot, to try to be the best player out there on and off the field as you go and just having that mental size of the game and just where everything clicks right and just you just do your thing. Last question for you, just about the you know, one game in the books right now. And uh, I mean, I know you walked and struck out and then you got that first base hit out of the way. Even though you know that this is a, a several day process and there's a lot that goes into it, not just what the box score looks like. Is it is it good just to get that? And it was a hard hit the other way. I mean, was it good to stay within your approach and get that first one out of the way? Yes, sir. I was kind of missing balls early in the game just just kind of kind of got a little antsy because I was excited to be out here and just trying to I was jumping at balls but then I just kind of like this is the game this is this is where I like to be I just got to be calm and smooth with it and just do my thing and just whenever I got that first hit it kind of got my not that I didn't have any jitters really but it just got I just felt like boom and now, now I'm ready to go it's go time and Jim, I mentioned that a lot can happen between now, obviously. We're just a couple of weeks since the draft and a full year until next year's draft. But has he separated himself significantly from the rest of the, the field at this point? I think as much as a high school player can at this point, yes. I mean, a year ago we were talking about Bryce Terang, and he obviously slid some. But, I mean, I also know that if Bobby Wood Jr., like when, when I did the mock draft right after last year's draft, the 2018 mock draft in June 2017, if Bobby Wood Jr. had been eligible this year as a junior, we would have projected him as the number one overall pick. I mean, there's uh, – I don't even know what there is not to like about this guy. I mean, he has a nice swing. Um, you know, he's got some power potential. He runs well. He's got a really good arm. Plays a really nice shortstop. Um, great makeup. 
grew up around the game. You know, his dad, you know, Bobby Witt, was a big leaguer for a long time, former first-round pick. Um, and, uh, you know, so he has all the instincts from growing up around the game. I, I mean, I, I don't know, like, if you were nitpicking Bobby Witt Jr., I don't even know what you would nitpick him on. I mean, I, I guess, Tim, in a perfect world, he'd hit left-handed instead of right-handed. So maybe we'll nitpick him on that. But, but yeah, I, I think right now, and as you said, a lot can change. But as of right now, you'd have to project him being the number one overall pick next year. And we'll see how he does throughout this week at the Tournament of Stars. Um, and, then, and then on the rest of the summer, he's going to be a busy guy, as will all of these high-caliber prep players throughout the summer before their senior years of high school. All right, uh, Joey Bart was one of the players picked, obviously number two overall by the Giants back in the draft. And, Jim, you broke the story of his bonus, which is a record, $7.025 million from the Giants. Um, what is it about Joey Bart that led to him breaking a record with his signing bonus? You know, it just comes down to, I think, the, the, he's a quality catcher, and quality catchers are really hard to find. Um, you know, this isn't a case of, you know, it seems like when we're talking about catchers, a lot of times we're talking about either, oh, this guy's offensive-minded, but we don't know if he can stick behind the plate, or this guy's a really good defender, and we're not sure if he's going to hit. And there aren't any of those questions with Joey Bard. I mean, he had some of the best right-handed power in this draft. He has a plus arm behind the plate. Um, he has improved. What I think what jumps out to me about him is just the improvements he's made. I mean, he was on our – our top 200 coming out of high school, we had him at number 134, and, and the power and arm strength were evident, but there was a lot of questions about the bat because his right-handed swing could get long, and there was questions about the receiving and, and is he going to stay behind the plate. And, and you just watch this guy over a three-year period at Georgia Tech, and, and he got better, consistently got better every year. I mean, he's still going to be a power-over-hit guy, but you know he, he doesn't sell out for power. He's got a better approach. Um, I think he's going to be a pretty good hitter. Uh, and then defensively, it's the same thing, too. Uh, he, he's cleaned up the receiving well enough. Nobody doubts he's going to stay behind the plate. Um, I don't know that he's going to win a gold glove, but he's at least a solid defender. So, um, you know, it, it just I think it's the, it's the position. It's the all-around skills he brings to the position and the fact that you've seen him improve over a three-year period. All right, one more thing I want to talk to you about on this podcast is your favorite event, Jim, that is the College World Series. It's ongoing right now and off to kind of a crazy start. Uh, the two favorites coming into this one were Florida, the number one team in the nation, Oregon State seeded number three. Both of those teams losing their openers. On Saturday, North Carolina took down Oregon State 8-3. to On Sunday, Texas Tech took down Florida 6-3. to um, at this point, as we're recording this, how tough a trip back to the championship game is it for those two teams? I mean, it is double elimination, but when you lose that opener, it makes it hard, doesn't it? Yeah, you have to play an extra game, too. I mean, it's, it's funny because I think we said on last week's podcast, I think I said that clearly the two most talented teams there were the defending national championship champion Florida and Oregon State. And... And I said, but it's Omaha, so you never know. They might go two and out. Well, that's not going to quite happen because Oregon State eliminated Washington last night. And, and I'd say, without having the stats in front of me, usually there's a team, like, I think on average, one of the two teams in the finals, you know, survives, you know, comes through the loser's bracket. So, I mean, they're both talented enough to do it. I mean, I'd have a little bit more faith in Florida doing it just because of their pitching depth, which 
carried them to national title last year, and it just seems like it's get impressive year after year after year. I think they're a little bit better equipped from a pitching depth standpoint to survive, um, but it's tough. I mean, because you know you're going to have to. If I have my schedule on right, you know, if Oregon State won yesterday. Florida's going to have to win today, which is Tuesday against Texas, and then if that happens, they have to survive another elimination game, and then they have to beat whichever the undefeated team is in their bracket twice. So, I mean, they've got to win. You know, Florida's got to win, as we speak, four more games to get to the finals, four straight, and Oregon State's got to win three straight, um, and it's tough. Now, I I don't think Oregon State's bracket is as tough as Florida's, um, but we'll see. I mean, Arkansas's got a very good team, too, as does Texas Tech. Whoever's in the winner's bracket on on Florida's side between the Razorbacks and the Red Raiders is going to be tough. But, I mean, it, it seems like most years one of the teams does come through the loser's bracket and make it happen. Yeah, and I guess I said the other surprise so far too is Mississippi State, which you know fired their coach three games into the season amidst a scandal and got off to a really slow start, and then just caught fire and has been getting all these walk-off wins. Um, wins their first game in Omaha, one nothing, and you know as, as we record this, uh, I guess we'll all know what the result of the people listen to it. They're up four-two on North Carolina after seven innings, so they could be the undefeated team that's that's one win away from the finals after just a horrendous start to the season. Now, we have seen some offense. Uh, Oregon State put up 12 runs in their second game. Arkansas scored 11 runs against Texas. Uh, North Carolina had eight against Oregon State. I know that's a ballpark that it's sometimes hard to hit it out of, but at least we're seeing some offense this year, right? Yeah, it seems like the ball's carrying. And, and I, you know, I'm not quite sure. I haven't investigated because we've been running around doing draft signings and updating the top 100 and that type of thing, so I haven't quite watched every pitch. But it, it does seem like the ball is definitely carrying better, which – it's good because it's you know I say this every time we mention College World Series. It's my favorite baseball event. Like I love the College World Series, um, but I don't love. I mean, the new ballpark is a great place to watch a game. It's got one of those 360 degree concourses and it's very comfortable. But there have been years, multiple years, where I've been out there, and there have been three home runs hit over the course of an entire College World Series, and and the ball just doesn't carry, and the wind can blow kind of down the main street of Omaha into the stadium, and, and you know basically from right field toward home plate. And, and I don't like seeing, I, I don't like seeing that affect the championship like it does. Like, like to me, it's a little odd that if you're, you know, not that you know, baseballs is home run crazy, college baseball is home run crazy it was before they turned down the bats a few years ago. But like, you know, if you're used to hitting for power and scoring runs, and you get to Omaha and that's taken away from you, I, I don't know if that's a real fair test as to who the best teams are. So, uh, you know, I hope that we we kind of get this this happy medium. Where you can, uh, you know, you can still pitch a good game, but at the same time, if you hit the ball, you can knock it out of the park. You know, if you make quality contact. So, uh, you know, so yeah, it's been. I, I've been kind of enthused by that, hoping that the, the park will play a bit, bit more fair this year. And you're heading to Omaha. When can people expect to read uh, your fine work from Omaha? Uh, just the championship series this okay. year. My my wife and older of my two daughters are, are vacationing in Iceland on a hiking trip as we speak, and uh, so they will not be back in time for me to make it out there. I usually like to try to kind of go out for, like, the final four, but it just wasn't feasible this year. So I will be out for the, the championship series, which will be my, I believe, my 30th College World Series visit um, uh, in the last 32 years. Uh, love the event, and, and we didn't talk about this last week, and it's too bad we don't have Jonathan. Apparently, Jonathan and I met for the first time at the College World Series, and I've apparently been to so many College World Series, Tim, that while Jonathan remembers that, 
I have zero recollection of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 it vaguely rings a bell. Maybe we were having Zesto's milkshakes uh, outside of Rosenblatt Stadium when I ran into him, but uh, I, I honestly do not remember that. Uh, and Jonathan gives me a hard time that, that he remembers, but I do not. Oh. All right. Well, we will definitely keep our eye out for your stuff on MLB Pipeline and, of course, Tournament Stars, too, coming up this weekend. Uh, me and Jonathan will both be down there. So a lot to look forward to here this week at the college level and also the prep level and going forward. That'll do it for this edition of the Pipeline Podcast. For Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, I'm Tim McMaster. Thanks for tuning in.